Tom Kisslingberry here. Nah, I'm just kidding. We don't have Tom Kissingberry money. It's just me, Peter Howard, and Jake Anderson meeting at the Dynasty Crossroads once a week for 30 minutes to talk about one player at a time. We look at the film with Jake, we talk about the analytics with me, and we try to come to a consensus. We do have a pretty cool theme song, though. Peter crunches numbers and Jake just grabs that tape. listening to the DLF Dynasty Podcast, where there is no off-season. Welcome to another edition of the DLF Dynasty Podcast. I'm Dan Myler. With me, Ryan McDowell and Matt Price. It's the week six edition, fellas. And once again, we're recording on Sunday night prior to Sunday night football. A lot of good action in week six, Ryan. How's uh, how's the week's treating you uh it's not too bad it's not too bad i don't i don't know if i agree with you though it was it was not a good week of action it felt like uh <laughs> it felt like there were a lot of rough games to watch uh in, in this sunday slate and the the imbalance schedule with just two late games i don't know it was it was a weird day of football for me yeah any any day where philip rivers throws three touchdown passes to something <laughs> something seems off matt let's bring you in uh how's it going for you bud you know, Daniel, I was feeling pretty good when Rodgers ran in that first touchdown that got called back and he did the Hinkle McCringleberry and that it was all downhill from there. It was all downhill was, from there. Yeah, we don't need to get too in-depth on the heartbroken Packer Nation right now. Uh, that, that was ugly for sure. Let's start, start with the early games, though, guys, because as we have uh, for the first five weeks in week six, again, we're going to do the most important thing from every game from a dynasty perspective, and we might as well start with the Bears and the Panthers. The Bears came out on top 23-16. to 16. Guys, they're... This is one of those games that I think you were talking about, Ryan. It just the, nobody really exploded. There wasn't there wasn't a lot to see here. Teddy Bridgewater struggled for the first time in a few weeks. He threw the two interceptions. David Montgomery wasn't really uh, a big player despite having a great matchup. I don't know. Maybe you could pull Cole Komet catching a touchdown for dynasty owners. That that might have been the best thing that happened, Ryan. Yeah, I guess so. I, I know a lot of uh, a lot of DFS players were excited to put David Montgomery into their lineups this week. I've got him on a couple of dynasty rosters. I don't think I've used him at all all season. Uh, he's been on my bench this week. Uh, I, I started him in both. I felt great about the matchup. The Panthers uh, through five weeks had given up the overall RB one uh, and an overall RB one week overall RB2 week, and two uh, RB3 weeks. So basically through five weeks, they had allowed four top three running back performances. And if David Montgomery couldn't do it this week, I don't know if he's going to, honestly. And he was he was fine, 97 total yards. He had a touchdown that got called back. But this, this is a game where you want to see uh, your running back really go off and, and kind of have that career game, and it did not happen. Yeah, if not a career game, at least a useful game for all of us uh, dynasty managers. He was—he did not look explosive. He looked kind of lethargic out there. Um, it was a messy, messy, messy 
uh, performance for David Montgomery for sure. Matt, what are your thoughts on that Bears offense struggling, but but they just keep winning? Yeah, Montgomery, you thought with Tariq Cohen out for the season that, you know, he might really get everything and he does get everything, but it doesn't it doesn't seem to matter. So uh, the only thing that the only thing to see in, in Chicago is, is Allen Robinson. We got a floor game today, five for 53, no touchdown, but he still got nine targets. He's had 10 targets and and two other games this season. So uh, he he's the only one we care about for fantasy, and I don't know how the Bears are tied with the Packers now for first place in the FC North, but but somehow they are. Yeah, they just keep winning. The Bears have uh, the Rams on the road next week, followed up by New Orleans, and then at Tennessee. So so a couple of tough games coming up for those Bears. Um, I, I'm just not sure. I think you're onto something there, Matt. Outside of A Rob, there's really not much to see. Here, there wasn't a whole lot to see either in uh, New England when the Patriots got beat by the Broncos 18-12 to on Sunday. Another ugly game. Phillip Lindsay, he was really the, the best thing that came out of the ball game. 23 carries for 101 yards, but wasn't very helpful in PPRs. He didn't even uh, catch a single pass, guys. If there was a bright spot for me, though, it was probably the usage of Albert O and and get him seeing a couple of targets in the red zone, particularly in the end zone, had one uh, knocked out of his hands that could have been a touchdown. Ended the game two catches just forty for for forty five yards, but had six targets. Uh, there there might be something here. Dynasty managers everywhere. Ryan picked him in the third round and maybe even later in rookie drafts. And if they're going to use Albert. Okuo Bunam, that that way as that red zone threat, he could be one of those guys that you can slide into your tight end spot from from time to time. Yeah, yeah, I think so. He stepped right in with Noah Fant out this week. Uh, We'll see how much time Fant misses, but uh, it was good to see him get some action. This was his first uh, first time being active uh, in his career or first time this year. So good to see him getting involved early. The the entire Broncos offense and really both offenses in this game were were frustrating. Uh, of course, the Broncos don't even get a touchdown. They get the six field goals from the the fantasy superstar Brandon McManus this week. Uh, it, it was a player on the other side that caught my eye. Nikhil Harry uh, did nothing, literally nothing. He got two targets, no catches. And just looking at his performances this year, he, he did have a wide receiver 25 week back in week two, but the rest of his fantasy finishes, wide receiver 42, 67, 73. And of course, he's he's basically not even going to register this week with with no stat line. So this was, it was feeling like a good setup for him uh, that he was going to get to start this year as a, as a second-year player, and it, it's falling apart quickly. Yeah, he hasn't looked good, even in those limited opportunities that he's had. Of course, he caught that touchdown against the Chiefs in Week 4, but outside of that, uh, you mentioned the 8-for-72 game in Week 2 when he, when he registered that wide receiver 3, high-end wide receiver 3 game. But just watching him play, seeing his mannerisms on the field, he doesn't look like the guy that we all scouted a few years ago and thought was potentially the best wide receiver in that class. He doesn't have that killer instinct anymore. I don't know what happened to that. He used to, in college, look like the guy that owned every ball when it was in the air, and that just doesn't seem to be the case anymore for Nikhil Harry. 
the the others in this game, Cam Newton, he struggled. He had, he had the uh, 76 rushing yards and the rushing touchdown, but through the two picks, James White was all right in PPR with eight catches for 65 yards. But man, there there wasn't a lot happening in that game unless, like you said there, Ryan, you had McManus in a kicker league. Uh, let's move on to the Colts and the Bengals. The Colts came out on top here, 31 to 27, guys. And as I mentioned in the intro. They did it behind Phillip Rivers. He let him back. They fell behind early. Three touchdown passes from Rivers. He spread it out pretty nicely. Marcus Johnson is a name to monitor for dynasty managers everywhere. He had five catches for 108 yards. We'll see what happens with those injuries in that uh, wide receiver core for the Colts, fellas. But Johnson did play well. Matt, you mentioned or you wanted to talk about a tight end in Indianapolis who's kind of come across some consistency here. Yeah, Trey Burton leading the position uh, in targets for basically the last three weeks after he came off of injury. They made it pretty clear that he was going to be a big part of the offense. Uh, in the in the offseason, uh, you know, coming over from a disappointment in Chicago after we showed some promise in Philadelphia several years ago uh, behind behind Zach Ertz there, and now he's kind of found a home. We thought maybe Mo Cox was going to emerge, and he, he was really the most impressive of the group, I thought, until he got hurt, and, you know, the volume really wasn't there for him. We were, we were living and dying with the touchdown. But Burton is seeing the targets uh, when when Rivers is forced to have these games where he does throw the ball 44 times, which is not something we want to see from the Colts offense in general. Uh, but Burton has been a, a recipient of that, and he's outplaying Jack Doyle for sure at this point. So, uh, you know, there's not outside of those top three guys, there's really not an answer at tight end this year. But if you need a, a cheap like piece, uh, Burton is somebody worth considering just for that volume aspect, I think. Yeah, and the the Colts, they have a bye, of course, in Week 7, so we won't be able to get them into our lineups then. But after that, uh, at Detroit, then Baltimore, and then at Tennessee the next three weeks. Ryan, how about on the other side of the football, the the Bengals, they were throwing the ball all over the place as well. A.J. Green had his best game of the year, eight catches for 96 yards. But the rookie T. Higgins, he was the guy that stole the show. Yeah, and Higgins has really just become the go-to option in this offense, in the passing game at least. Uh, he's got 30 targets over the past four weeks. Uh, and outside, of, he had that two-touchdown game uh, that felt a little fluky back in week three. But since then, um, he's continu- continued to see targets and, and basically has served as the wide receiver one for the Bengals and for Joe Burrow. So uh, he, he's a guy that... Uh, I think it's kind of getting a little lost in the the hype for CD Lamb and Justin Jefferson and Chase Claypool and uh, all those guys are are players we should be excited about as rookie wide receivers. But uh, Higgins is one that's that's maybe uh, getting lost in their shadow a little bit, and uh, I'm going to see if I can take advantage of that and and add him in a few leagues or, or a couple leagues, hopefully, at least in the next week or so. Yeah, he's an excellent trade target. And speaking of targets with T. Higgins, consistently getting those targets. Since week week two, six targets, nine targets, seven targets, eight in week five, and then now in week six again, eight targets. So averaging nearly eight targets per game in a five-week sample, that is consistency. You mentioned that he's the wide receiver one on that team. He absolutely is. Before we move on to the next game, we should talk about our friends over at Monkey Knife Fight. They are the fastest growing daily fantasy sports site on the planet. They're my favorite site, and I suggest you go check it out as well. You open a new account with a minimum of $10 deposit, and Monkey Knife Fight will 
they will give you a free DLF annual premium membership. This offer is also good to extend your current DLF premium membership by a year as well. Monkey Knife Fight will also match that initial deposit amount, doubling your bankroll up to a maximum of $50. Monkey Knife Fight features football, baseball, basketball, hockey, golf, UFC, esports, prop bets, and so much more. You'll find plenty of entertaining contest options even in these uncertain times. Monkey Knife Fight provides provides DFS games that do not have a salary cap. So if you can correctly predict the outcome of a game, you're guaranteed to win. And there are no sharks, no professionals to prevent prevent you from claiming your prize. At Monkey Knife Fight, you will not get algorithmed by the top 1% who dominate those other fantasy sites. Check out the new and improved DFS and prop bet experience and claim your deposit match and your free DLF Dynasty Premium Membership only at monkeyknifefight.com. Let's talk about the Lions who went into Jacksonville and destroyed the Jaguars 34-16. to And there's really one guy to talk about here, fellas, at least in my opinion. It's DeAndre Swift. He was impressive. He, he got kind of unveiled, Ryan, in this game. 14 carries for 116 yards, two rushing touchdowns, also caught three passes in the game. Meanwhile, Adrian Peterson, 15 carries. He still got his, but just 40 yards. And he did score as well while catching one pass for 18 yards. Swift, he averaged 8.3 yards per carry. AP, meanwhile, 2.7. We've seen it in all of these games. Swift would get mixed in. He'd get a couple carries here and there. Way more explosive than Adrian Peterson. Is this a sign of things to come, Ryan? I sure hope so. Um, I think part of what we saw in the second half with Swift uh, really taking over, Part of that, at least, was due to uh, Peterson getting nicked up. Uh, I don't, I don't think that injury is too serious. But I hope, I hope this coaching staff sees what really, Dan, you kind of mentioned it there. What we've all seen all year that Swift has been uh, the more explosive, uh, the more explosive back in that offense. Uh, he certainly was today. I hope it's just the Swift show from here on out. Regardless, he is a player you want to be uh, buying while you can. Uh, and, and honestly, it may be too late already. Yeah, it might be too late. He had his coming out party with that 123-yard from scrimmage game on Sunday in Jacksonville. Next week, he gets he gets the Falcons in Atlanta. That, that could be a juicy matchup. Uh, we might have to add him to our starting lineups moving forward. Matt, you wanted to talk about the running back on the other side, though, with James Robinson. Yeah, yeah. coming into this game, you might have thought that James Robinson was had a good argument for being so far the best rookie running back in this class and not really being any of those top five guys that we were drafting at the top of our rookie drafts this offseason. But today, uh, coming in against the, a bottom five run defense on the season, um, you know, just, just uh, not didn't really get it done for us today 12 carries 29 yards and uh you know four four catches there and he got a touchdown there so that was nice to see but uh it's just not happening for him against these weaker defenses it's nice that he's getting the volume so he is still that volume play uh but i don't think that we're in a position where he's not he's he's a guy that uh that they're not going to think about replacing at some point so a nice nice volume play for 2020 but if if you have considerations for him going forward in in 2021 and beyond then uh you you know might want to reconsider that yeah, Robinson has has kind of been a little bit Jekyll and Hyde up and down. He is getting that volume, like you mentioned. Last week at Cincinnati, got the 17 carries, came up with 75 yards and still caught four passes. This week, 
only that 48 yards on those 13 carries. Luckily, again, he, he caught some passes and uh, he, he got, got it done that way, I guess. Uh, or excuse me, just 12 carries for 29 yards and, and got, got it done with a receiving touchdown. I'm, I'm wondering, Matt, if you're shopping James Robinson, what are, you, what are you looking for if you're trying to get something in return for him on the trade market? If I'm not competing, I think I would take any second round pick at this point. If I am competing, then uh, you're probably not going to be able to get more than that second. I'm not sure if I, I would probably just lean on the production if I needed him at this point uh, on the other side of that. But if, if not competing, definitely any second round pick. Ryan, you agree? Yeah, I think you could maybe maybe even get more than a second. But uh, ultimately, I think I, I would take that. Yeah, okay. I I. Kind of figured he he could fetch a late first from the right contender. Uh, maybe I'd shoot for that first, but you're probably right. If if you can't quite get that, maybe a second plus a little bit. Uh, how about the Falcons and the Vikings? Atlanta dominated this football game, guys, forty to twenty three. But it was way it wasn't that close. Matt Ryan uh, he led the Falcons three hundred seventy one passing yards and four touchdowns, two of which to Julio Jones, who just just balled out eight catches for 137 yards and those two scores. Ryan, those guys, Ryan and Julio, when they can hook up, man, they, they still got it. Yeah, and with, with the coaching change that we saw after last week, I, I think this, in in some ways, this might have been expected that they would have this, uh, I guess, coming out game, you could, you could call it. Obviously, with Julio Jones back, he makes a major impact. Uh, on Matt Ryan and on on the offense overall, uh, I just wonder if we were giving up specifically on on Matt Ryan too quickly. His his past three games, he's been the quarterback twenty seven, twenty three, and twenty six, uh, and and the concerns with with Julio were understandable. That he's uh, he's been banged up this year. He's off to a slow start. But just giving up on on Ryan, even when he didn't have Jones in the lineup, I was I was a little surprised to see that. So uh, again, these are a couple guys we may have missed the buy low window on. Uh, but if you're on that other end, you've got them and you're not contending. It's it, it, this is this is the time to sell for sure. Yeah, it seems to be prime time to sell those types of players. Matt Ryan's just a different quarterback when Julio Jones is healthy and in the lineup, and he showed that on Sunday against the Vikings in Minnesota. On the other side of the football, fellas, Alexander Madison came in with a whole lot of hype. We were all expecting a running back one type of finish from Alexander Madison against that Falcons run defense that is, quite frankly, given up a lot of lot of yards, a lot of chunk plays, and it just didn't happen on Sunday, Madison was extremely disappointed. 10 carries for just 26 yards, only caught one pass. So we thought we were going to get that elite type of upside, the Delvin Cook type of upside with Madison taking over that role in a, in a primetime matchup uh, against a poor defense, and he just did not come through. I don't know if that's a reflection of Madison directly, maybe more of how that game started and how the Falcons got out to that, that start. Um, there's still that upside with Alexander Madison, but, but maybe, uh, a chink in the armor, uh, for, for what we're expecting out of him. If he ever gets a backfield to himself, how about the wide receivers in Minnesota though, Matt, there was, uh, there's some interesting numbers that came out of this game. Adam Thielen, three catches for 51 yards, did catch a touchdown to save things for dynasty managers, but the rookie, once again, Justin Jefferson really came through. 
Yeah, just dominating the target share, 11 targets to Thielen's five. Uh, Obviously the huge game with 166 yards and two touchdowns. And uh, I I was thinking to myself, you know, and and maybe maybe you can't after this game, but I was thinking to myself, you probably uh, can't buy Jefferson right now. But I went and looked on the trade finder just yesterday. Uh, Ryan was talking about moving uh, Matt Ryan and Julio Jones. Julio Jones and James Conner for Justin Jefferson, uh, 2021 first-round pick and a third-round pick. I feel like I'm doing that every day, just even just to buy back the years. Uh, another trade invol- involving Julio and Jefferson is Lindsey Jones and a 2020 second, 2022 third round pick for Jefferson and John U. Smith. So uh, maybe you can't get those prices after this, uh, this uh, yet another big game from Jefferson, but it's worth going out and, and investigating if you have these older receivers like Julio, uh, especially today after he came off of the, buy, uh, the injury and put up a big game. You know, maybe it's time to go ahead and move those guys, and maybe you can actually get a guy like Jefferson. Uh, if you are on the side of rebuilding this season. You mentioned Jefferson dominated the targets with 11, nine catches for 166 yards and two touchdowns. A lot of that came in garbage time where they where they had those big umbrella defenses for the Falcons, but it all counts for us another dominating performance for Jefferson, Ryan. Yeah, one thing that uh, caught my eye over the weekend prior to these games, our buddy Ray Garvin uh, is... is taking part in a mid-season dynasty startup draft. I've never actually done one of these. I've done plenty of mocks, of course, but uh, he, he's got a group together doing an actual Superflex startup draft. Uh, and this draft uh, started late last week. So, of course, prior to the Sunday games, Justin Jefferson was the wide receiver nine in that draft. Wow. The wow. end of the third round, 3.12. He went ahead of Chris Godwin. He went ahead of Allen Robinson. He went one pick behind Michael Thomas. So uh, that's just one draft. We're not going to base uh, his his total value on this, this one small sample, but it does kind of give you a, a peek at where the value is. And um, I, I think you might get laughed at if you offered Julio for, for Jefferson <laughs> even up, honestly. I mean, in a, in a competitive league. Now, if you're in a, you know, if you're in a league where – People aren't quite paying as, as much attention, and, and maybe you're the you're the one in that in that league that's the the super active uh, manager. Then absolutely try to make a deal like that. Yeah, the Vikings, of course, are on by coming up in week seven, so we'll have to wait an extra week to see Jefferson on the field again. Like you guys said, though, he has looked really, really good. Let's talk about Washington and the New York Giants, the football team. Well, they had a chance to win this game and, and ended up falling just short. Giants come out on top 20-19 to 19 to get their first win of the season. Man, I, I, I seen as much of this game as I could, Ryan, and there wasn't there's not a lot of positive to talk about when it comes to these two football teams. There's really not. Uh, I, I saw a few Giants fans who were actually disappointed that their team got this win. Uh, mm-hmm. Maybe it puts them... Uh, a little bit behind in the in the race for Trevor Lawrence, and, and we'll talk a little more about that later. But th- I, f- I kind of feel the same way about Daniel Jones as I did uh, about David Montgomery in that conversation we had earlier. He had a nice matchup last week against Dallas. Lots of people were were leaning on him to have that big game uh, that that we saw him have last season. Same thing against Washington. That their defense looked so strong at the beginning of the year, but they've dealt with some injuries and, and has, they've kind of faded a little bit. So these past two weeks felt like good spots for Jones to, to really kind of have a coming out party. 
and it just hasn't happened. He did. He broke the long run, so it, it padded his fantasy numbers. He ended up with 74 rushing yards, but uh, just just 112 passing yards, one score, first one since week one, and and one interception. And I mean, he's he's simply a guy you can't trust at all uh, in your fantasy lineups. Yeah, even in those prime matchups like he's had at Dallas and then against Washington at Philadelphia in Week 7, he's just not trustworthy even in two quarterback leagues. Man, it's a shame because a lot of us did enter the season, Ryan, with high hopes for Jones that he'd take a step forward. It just hasn't happened to to this point. In Washington in the backfield, Antonio Gibson, well, he really shared that, that backfield with J.D. McKissick this week once again, Matt. Yeah, you know, after last week, and it really, we felt like we were building up to something here, but here we are again with McKissick back in the fold. Uh, you know, eight, eight, eight carries for McKissick, nine for Gibson. McKissick was a little bit more efficient with them. And then, you know, the he's out targeting him too, six for 43 for McKissick and, and four for 25 uh, for, for Gibson there. So even in that aspect of the, of, of the game, you know, McKissick is still involved, so we're going to have to keep waiting on Gibson right now. I think he's he's probably still a flex play, uh, especially on as we go through these bye week gauntlet. Uh, but you know we're going to have to wait if if we think he's going to realize the potential that we all thought. Uh, McKissick just isn't going away yet. Uh, whether it's Kyle Allen that likes him, whether it's the, the coaching staff that still likes him, or they just don't think Gibson's ready. Uh, he, he's not ready for our full time fantasy lineups at this point, anyway. Speaking of Kyle Allen, he was pretty efficient and got lots of opportunities to throw the football on Sunday, 31 of 42 for 280 yards, two touchdowns, and did throw the interception. Uh, it seems like Allen has, has maybe helped out some of these receivers in that Washington offense. Terry McLaurin, despite a tough matchup, really, seven catches for 74 yards. He got 12 targets, so the arrow is probably – pointing up for Terry McLaurin and his prospects for the rest of the season. Also, Dontrell Inman, he got five targets, caught all five of them for 45 yards. So in deep leagues, it seems like they're going to they're gonna throw the ball around. Uh, they might not throw it 42 times a game going forward, but um, it seems like Kyle Allen has helped out those pass catchers in Washington moving forward. The Ravens, they, uh, they, man, it was a barn burner, really. They were ahead big into the fourth quarter and gave up a lead to the Eagles, but came out on top 30-28 to in Philadelphia. Lamar Jackson had one of his, like, 2019-type Lamar Jackson games, 186 passing yards and a touchdown, also ran nine times for 108 and another score, so put up 20, 25 fantasy points for all of us that were depending on him. Otherwise, in the in this offense, fellas, uh, Mark Ingram got banged up in this game, left early, just five carries. JD or J.K. Dobbins, Ryan, he got an opportunity, uh, didn't really do all that much with it. Did look a lot more explosive than the other running backs. Gus Edwards had 14 carries for 26 yards and got the goal line score. Dobbins, though, just nine carries for only 28 yards, caught two passes as well. So it was kind of disappointing. All of us been looking forward to that J.K. Dobbins breakout opportunity. It might have been this week against a Philadelphia defense who have been bleeding points to fantasy players everywhere. It just didn't happen for Dobbins. Yeah, it is frustrating. And I, I don't know. I, I don't know what's going on there. None of these running backs are, are, are really having any type of success. And uh, of course, a lot of that's just due to the, the three-way timeshare uh, and, and the, 
the way that limits their time on the field. But um, none of them are breaking big plays either in the run game or the pass game. Uh, and, and overall, that offense has, has taken a step back. You mentioned the, the Lamar Jackson game uh, that we saw on Sunday, which was kind of, kind of a, a flashback to last year. It was good to see that. But overall, um, it, last year it felt like just get as many Ravens as you can because they're going to put up points. It feels the complete opposite of that this year. Outside of Lamar Jackson, it's tough to put any of these guys in your lineup. Uh, I guess maybe maybe Mark Andrews is the the other one that you can you can feel pretty safe with most weeks. But um, Marquise Brown just not seeing enough enough uh, looks and and the running game cancels each other out. Yeah, it's been disappointing for sure with that running game because, as we all know, Baltimore is known for pounding the football. They like to have multiple running backs involved, and and a lot of us as dynasty managers, we count on those guys to to cover us for bye weeks at the very least, and I'm not even sure any of these guys can do that at this point. How about on the Philadelphia side of things, Ryan? What's uh, What do you take away from this game for the Eagles? It's kind of the same story uh, for the Eagles uh, that we've seen all year. And it was, it's all about injuries. Uh, I was, I was impressed how they, uh, how they kept it close and and made a little comeback late in the game uh, because we we saw Zach Ertz go out of this game with an injury. We saw Miles Sanders go out with an injury. And, And now both of those guys are set to have MRIs on Monday and there's, there's reportedly a, a fear and a concern for the knee injury with Miles Sanders. So we've seen so many, so many top running backs go out and, and on the team level, so many key players go out of the lineup for the Eagles that this just feels like it's, it's happening all over again. Sanders, meanwhile, while he was in the game, did look good. Once again, broke on off another really big run, nine carries for 118 yards. Even in these tough matchups, he has shown he has that elite type upside, the the kind of potential that can take him uh, even in these tough matchups to, to the top of, of running back rankings. Uh, it's a shame that he went down with the injury. One other note from the game on the Philadelphia side, Travis Fulgham came through once again, six catches, 75 yards and a touchdown on 10 targets. He seems to be a guy that might stick around going forward. If you've been looking for a new challenge, it's time to start playing over at DynastyOwner.com. Dynasty Owner Fantasy Football unites the fun and excitement of fantasy football with the skill and strategy of the front office, and it's the only way to play fantasy football with real NFL salaries. By adding the strategy of running an NFL front office, Dynasty, Dynasty Owner provides a unique challenge for diehard fantasy football fanatics. Go to dynastyowner.com slash DLF for more information on this unique, thrilling fantasy football experience. If you're looking for a new challenge, Dynasty Owner can give you just that. They favor skilled players who can manage their roster using real NFL salaries within a salary cap. It adds an entirely new level of strategy. Go to dynastyowner.com slash DLF, validate your fantasy skills, that's DynastyOwner.com slash DLF. Dynasty Owner, start your dynasty today. The Steelers have been known as a as a NFL dynasty in the past, and they looked awfully good on Sunday beating the Browns 38-7 to behind James Conner, 20 carries for 101 yards, and a rushing touchdown. And then Ryan Chase Claypool, once again, four catches for 74 yards, played really well as a receiver, and for the second straight week. 
he got a rushing touchdown. Yeah, I mean, Claypool, like, I don't even know what to say at this point. Um, I, I guess there was a lot of talk after his big game last week and, and after the start we saw for Deontay Johnson, the start to the season we saw for Deontay Johnson, a, a lot of discussion about who is the – who is the Steelers' real wide receiver one? Of course, we most people thought it was Juju Smith-Schuster coming into the season. Um, and at this point, I don't know who the Steelers' wide receiver one is. I just know who it isn't, and it isn't Juju Smith-Schuster. <laughs> and that, uh, of course, that hurts to say I've been a big fan of his. I've got, uh, I've got him on a ton of my fantasy teams. I mean, he simply isn't getting the usage, and, and when he – when he does, he's not uh, not doing much with it. He had had those two touchdowns in week one, but since then, uh, I think his total fantasy po- his, he's, he has totaled about thirty five fantasy points. I mean, Chase Claypool outdid that last week in one game. So keep riding Chase Claypool. Uh, you can't you can't buy him now, like we said with some of the other some of the other players, uh, especially those rookie wide receivers, Justin. Jefferson, C.D. Lamb, these guys are just almost unattainable at this point If in in Dynasty Leagues. Uh, I would still be buying Juju Smith-Schuster, honestly, in Dynasty. I mean, this, this guy's 23 years old, almost certainly going to be on a new team next year. Um, and I think ultimately that will be a good thing. So uh, I'm buying low on Juju and, and hoping I have Chase Claypool on, on some teams already. Yeah, yeah, we all have to just hope because there's no way to make it happen moving forward. Juju just two catches on Sunday for six yards. It was a disappointment for sure. If you are a Derrick Henry owner, you were not disappointed on Sunday. He ran for 212 yards and two rushing touchdowns while adding two catches for 52 yards in the Titans' 42-36 to overtime win against the Texans. He was magnificent, uh, really unreal, just how can a guy that is that big run that fast? Ryan Tannehill also came through for all of us, 364 yards and four passing touchdowns, but it's one of his targets that you want to talk about, Ryan. Yeah, it's A.J. Brown. Um, again, uh, we've talked about these wide receivers getting a lot of hype. D.K. Metcalf, uh, C.D. Lamb. I know Matt and I both have moved D.K. up to the wide receiver one spot. I've got C.D. Lamb as my wide receiver two in Dynasty. Uh, and I don't think we've been alone in being aggressive with valuing those two players pretty highly. A.J. Brown kind of got lost in that shuffle because of the uh, early injury uh, that he suffered, Uh, but the past two weeks has come back strong. Seven for 82 yards and a touchdown last week, five for 56 and two this week, and he might be right up there with those guys as, um, as a top three, top five dynasty wide receiver. He certainly looked really good. That that toe tap uh, for the touchdown at the end of regulation on Sunday against the Texans, just just one of the many great catches he makes. I like the point you make. Top three potential dynasty wide receiver on on the uh, in that backfield, Matt. You uh, you you were keeping your eye on the backup running back uh, who got a little playing time behind Derrick Henry. 
Yeah, we, we saw Darrington Evanson, he, Evans last week looked looked pretty good actually, but came out of that game with a hamstring injury and is on IR, IR for a few weeks. Uh, and this is absolutely just for very deep dynasty leagues. But we've seen Derrick Henry have you know a ridiculous number of touches over the last two seasons, and uh, it's it's it's, it's, it's we're headed that way again in in, in twenty twenty, right? So uh, you know as the, as as we get through the stretch run for for contending teams, we always want to load up our our benches with these backup running back types and. Uh, an an old old I don't know if it was one of our favorites, but an, an old older prospect that we talked about several years ago, Deonta Foreman, who had a rough start with the Texans, had torn Achilles, uh, ended up on the Packers actually practice squad for a while. Um, they talked about activating for him for today's game. He didn't get any any touches or anything, but he's looming back there. And then Jerry, Jeremy McNichols, another kind of cast off back from uh, Tampa Bay, I believe. Right. So these guys are behind him right now. Just something to keep a w- eye on. Uh, you know, a, f- a free claim from the waiver wire if you have a spot in a deeper league yeah deep league adds for sure another guy that to consider potentially adding especially in two tight end or tight end premium leagues might be anthony ferkser eight catches for 113 yards and a touchdown on nine targets ryan was this just one of them things that come up every now and then ferkser's had a couple of splash plays throughout the beginning of the season is he worthy of a roster spot in deeper leagues uh, yeah, I think in deeper leagues, he, he has to be looked at. Like you said, we see those kind of flute games occasionally, but usually those involve uh, one long catch for a touchdown or a couple of catches, something like that. Uh, but to see him get nine targets and, and easily lead the way for Tennessee is, is pretty impressive. And one thing, one thing that I think we, we can see at this point is this offense is going to be one we can count on, not just the uh, not just the running game and, and Derrick Henry, but Tannehill and AJ Brown and and typically Johnny Smith, but they're they're going to move the ball uh, in in all ways, and and that's a that's a team we should be chasing. Yeah, and if the Johnny Smith injury turns out to be anything more than than what kept him out in the second half on Sunday after catching just one pass and and kind of limping off the field and be, being very frustrated that he couldn't get back on the field. If he ends up missing some time, maybe Ferkser could even be a streaming option in this offense that likes to use the tight end. Let's move on to the Dolphins and the Jets. Uh, man, if the Jets are broken, this is... This is, it, it was really ridiculous. They couldn't even score against the Dolphins. Miami wins 24 to nothing. Matt, you were focused on some cheap value buys, one on each side of the football in this game. Yeah, again, you know, for contenders, we should be looking to <clears throat> increase our depth and, and picking up cheap volume where we can. The only really game in town for, for the Jets is Jameson Crowder. got 13 targets today, uh, has had double-digit targets in every all four games he's played this season. So uh, I feel like a second-round pick can probably get that done if he's floating around on a on a non-contending team. There's, a, you know, a few instances of that in the trade finder, so those trades have taken place. And then Miles Gaskin as well, you know, he's getting, you know, pretty much all of the volume in that backfield. Brita hasn't really been a thing Jordan Howard and his two catches for one yard and a touchdown hasn't really uh kind of kind of uh, emerged over the last several weeks after early season goal line touches uh, so Gaston is is really the guy there and you know I can't say much if he's going to be the guy probably past this season but again you know a second round pick you might it's a running back so you might have to be a pay a premium of a late first which I'm not sure I would be willing to do uh, but if you need volume at those two positions these are two targets I think for contenders down the stretch 
It feels, Matt, to me like Gaskin is a game script dependent running back too. That that has a you're not going to really feel great about putting in your lineup every single week, especially in in a tough matchup. But 18 carries for 91 yards on the ground and and four catches on four targets for 35 yards receiving that gets it done. If you're looking for somebody to to fill a spot in that starting lineup, especially in these good these good matchups. Ryan, what do you take away from this game? It, it was a tough one to watch for sure, but maybe looking towards the future, there might be something here. Yeah. Just, just how bad the jets are. <laughs> like, like you guys said, <laughs> um, with, with the Falcons and the giants, uh, getting wins earlier in the day that left the jets as the last winless team. And then not only do they not get the win like like the other two teams, but they didn't even score, Dan, as you mentioned, and and were not even competitive. Um, they even uh, after the game pulled off a trade for a uh, for a, or they traded one of their starting linemen away to the Bucks. So they're certainly in full on tank mode uh, and just playing for the future. And, and to me, that means they're probably going to be adding Trevor Lawrence to their team. Uh, in in the spring through the draft and uh, of course that brings up a question of what does what does that mean for Sam Darnold we've heard his names or his name uh, thrown about in in trade rumors and with some poor quarterback play from from several other teams and including teams that we thought of uh, as contenders I, I do wonder if there's a trade opportunity for the Jets to uh, to move on from Darnold I wonder, as a dynasty manager, Ryan, how interested are you in Darnold? He's been he's been in the shadow of this Gase coaching staff and just never been able to really put everything together. I still feel like there's some upside with Sam Darnold, and maybe like Ryan Tannehill did after getting out from under Gase, there's still a little bit of potential in these super flex and two quarterback leagues. Is it a savvy move to be chasing Darnold for the future? I think so, because one thing, while we're not certain they land Trevor Lawrence, one thing that does seem almost certain is that Adam Gaze won't be there for long, even if he, even if they stick with him for the remainder of the season, uh, certainly will not be back in 2021. So one way or another, I think Darnold will be, um, will be apart from, from Gaze, and, and that's a good thing. So, sure, I mean, he's, he's going to be cheap. I mean, in one quarterback leagues, he might be on the waiver wire. I mean, what are they? What are they waiting for at this point? <laughs> All of the other coaches we thought were going to get fired. I mean, I did. If he doesn't get fired this week, like, what if he ruins Lawrence? Is he going to still be there somehow through this whole tank job and ruin Lawrence too? Well, I saw I saw some uh, some Jets fans make a good point this past week that if your goal is to lose. He, ah, that's he, he point, puts you in I the guess. best position to lose. <laughs> so ride out this season. And honestly, I mean, they don't really have any of their long-term pieces out there right now. Assuming if we assume Darnold is not part of that, right? I mean, their, their best defenders opted out. Uh, their, their rookie wide receiver hasn't played all year. Denzel Mims, they trade or they uh, release Le'Veon Bell and, and they're just kind of rolling with with castoffs now. So it's not like he's ruining anyone right now uh, that that's currently on the roster. When you said, even if he makes it through the entire season, I threw up a little bit in my mouth because <laughs> yep. really he should he should be fired by the time people listen to this podcast, in my opinion. 
Ryan Fitzpatrick played well. Three touchdown passes. We did get to see Tua at the end. Two he threw a couple of passes. That was fun to watch. It was supposed to be the exclamation point of football on Sunday. The 4-0 Packers against the 3-2 Buccaneers. It was Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers, and it was a disappointment. Buccaneers slaughtered the Packers 38-10. to Tom Brady threw his two touchdowns. Rob Gronkowski caught one of them, had his best game as a Buccaneer. Five catches for 78 yards and a touchdown. But really, the most impressive player in Tampa Bay, maybe outside of that defensive performance, Ryan, was running back Ronald Jones. He really was impressive. Um, over 100 yards, once again, two touchdowns. Still didn't get uh, too involved in the passing game, but honestly didn't didn't really have to uh, in this game as, as Tampa took the lead early and, and kind of did whatever they wanted. But, uh, I've, I mean, I've said all, all season and uh, probably as, as recently as last week that Fournette was the, the player I preferred there. And um, I, I think I, I have to... I have to start changing my mind on that. Uh, we saw Fournette active last week. He only got the the one meaningless snap, and then he's inactive this week, which was a little bit of a surprise based on uh, reports leading up to Sunday. So um, I'm wondering if if there's something going on that that we don't know about yet, as far as some type of locker room or personal issue that's been uh, that's been Fournette's problems uh, problem in the past that. Uh, he really hasn't been able to get out of his own way. Yeah, he really, really hasn't. As far as Ronald Jones goes, though, three straight 100-yard yards, hundred yard games, 23 carries for 113 yards and those two touchdowns that you mentioned to go along with two catches. Man, he was the best running back on the football field and, and the best Jones on the football field. Aaron Jones on the other side, 10 carries for 15 yards. Luckily had that rushing touchdown, that plunge from a half a yard out to save his fantasy day. Chris Godwin was good guys in his first game back. Uh, didn't look to have any setbacks, caught five passes for 48 yards. Mike Evans was very disappointing. Just one catch for 10 yards and Aaron Rodgers, two picks and, and, and a couple of them. He should have probably thrown a couple more, Matt. Oh, boy. What happened there? Yeah, he was not connecting with those receivers other than Devontae Adams. It's, glad, it's good to have him back, but it's clear that they're missing Lazard and Tanyan didn't really emerge as the second target like he did uh, against the Falcons a week ago. And, and more MVS, you know, dropping or, or just not hooking up with Rodgers deep, you know, a couple of those balls that just didn't connect. And uh, it was gross to see. I mean, but I was, you look back at the schedule and, you know, outside of the Saints game where they were, of course, impressive, uh, they haven't really played anybody. So they blew out the Vikings and the Lions and the Falcons. And now we get a real team and uh, coming off of a bye, no less, when you have two weeks to prepare for this team. And the Buccaneers are a top five defense, but, you know, we're just making excuses at this point. Luckily, the schedule gets easier with the Texans and the Vikings again and a reeling 49ers team and the Jaguars. Uh, but, you know, when this team plays a, a real competitor it, it, it's, it's a little bit scary there's nobody outside of Adams for him to go to if the run game gets shuts down it was really ugly you know the Packers came out and started strong led the game 10 to nothing then the two interceptions from Rodgers and he just didn't seem locked in and like you said didn't didn't look like he was connecting he, he wasn't on the same page as his receiver should have thrown more than the two interceptions that he did end up throwing it was an ugly game for anybody that that has a Packer in their starting lineup uh, in, in fantasy. 
one other thing is, uh, you know, even in, even when we pulled Rogers, we still didn't get to see Jordan Love. They put Tim Boyle in there, and I don't know if that really says anything, but, you know, Miami, in the opposite game streak where they were blowing out, we got to see a little bit of two. It would have been nice to see a little bit of Jordan Love if they were actually confident he could play in an NFL game. I think he was inactive today. Even better. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We'll see. It, it looked like it was supposed to be a shootout. It certainly was not that. And uh, we'll see if Rodgers can turn it around next week at Houston. A couple of favorable mad- matchups coming up. So if you can get them on your roster, either by trading for them or stealing them away from somebody else, if you beat them in a vampire league, uh, he'll, <laughs> he'll help out, Matt. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I guess that's who you're taking, huh, Dan? <laughs> that's who I'm targeting, bud. Baker is not uh, Any last takeaways from the week, fellas? Um, for me, probably just just glad to move on with this week. Um, uh, I'm glad to get every game in. Maybe maybe knock on wood, we've got a couple more still to come. But uh, it, it seems like we're going to make another week uh, with with every game uh, being played. That's good news. Uh, yeah, just just hope for for better better outcomes next week. Embrace the chaos. It's, there's Embrace more of it coming. Embrace the chaos, indeed. It's been messy. The, these reports that seem to come out daily now, oh, there was a test, a positive test here. There was uh, multiple positive tests there. Really take it with a grain of salt until you get more information. Let's not freak out until we know uh, exactly what happened because there's there's false positives and there's pl- t- people that are testing positive that haven't been around the team for two weeks. It's uh, it's it's weird. It's an odd season. Hopefully, we get through uh, through the entire season, even if it is this messy, because it is fun to watch football. Uh, that's going to do it for this episode of the DLF Dynasty Podcast. Thanks for listening. Uh, for Ryan and Matt, I'm Dan. We'll catch you again next week. Yeah.